On episode 27 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Kent Hutchison. If you really want to develop yourself as a leader, you're going to have to really sharpen your saw, sharpen your axe, and you really got to start working on those relationships, and it starts with relationships and communication. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. We're talking with Kent Hutchison. He runs CJ Baxter Group, an employee development firm based in Nacogdoches, Texas. We talk about ways to improve communication inside of organizations and how to build trusting relationships. We've got to slow down and assess where we're at and decide which way we're going to go. Otherwise, we're always going to be reacting. We're not going to be responding. We're going to be reacting. And now, Ken Hutchison. Kent, thank you so much for coming into the studio today and agreeing to be on our podcast. For those that are listeners out there, Kent and I have known each other going on 13, 14 years now. 13 years now. Yeah, 13, 13 years. years. So uh, been a long time, and, and uh, Kent's one of my favorite people on the planet when it comes to doing what we do, because he's got a lot of energy and a lot of good wisdom, and so you'll hear that on the podcast here. But again, thanks for taking some time coming to oh i didn't mind i didn't mind uh, you know had to get out of east texas at some point you know just (laughs) passing through and come to central texas come come to central texas that's right exactly well why don't we start with telling us about your background and and how you got into this business well you know one you know chip uh uh you know i got involved in this business my dad was in hr my dad was working for a chemical plant worked in hr i was in college Uh, i was got involved with leadership development through my dad uh, as a in, in my 20s and was very engaged with all types of youth activities. And then I got involved with Rotary, with their youth programs, and that got me involved with leadership development. Hmm. Then I had the opportunity, I mean, within just a few years after after college, of getting a job with the state university, working uh, in their corporate training department. And I was coordinating, coordinating corporate training, hiring the trainers, bringing people in. It was fun. I mean, it was fun. And I, But at the same time, I also, as I was learning, I also saw some what I would call bad speakers. And I said, I think I can do a that I could do that. If, mm-hmm. if, if that person can do that, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it really wasn't about the speaking. It was more about the the content. It was about the the presenting, the creatively presenting the information. And so that's what really got me involved in that. And fortunately, I had an opportunity in 2003 to uh, partner with you and and start developing myself and developing my business and growing my business. But it was really about developing leaders. So yeah. that's what that's really my background, and that's how I got involved and got engaged. It's interesting because you do get to work with lots of different folks. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, we joke all the time about your, your strong accent and being in East Texas. It's not that strong in East Texas, no. but anywhere outside East Texas. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's strong. It's strong. It's, it, it is. It gets, it gets worse if I'm talking about hunting or fishing. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the uh, stories that you tell, and I, I find it hilarious, is and the example of you know you're from you know a real East Texan if... 
<laughs> oh, there's, there's, a, there's a whole lot of that. But, you know, I, I, we, I tell folks in East Texas, we don't say, where are you from? We say, where are your people buried? You know, because, you know, if you have if, if you have people buried in the community, that means that you have deep roots in the community. Literally, you have deep yeah. roots in the community. And so I always tell folks, even though I grew up in the Beaumont Orange Gulf Coast area in Orangefield, Texas, and Orangefield wasn't known for its beautiful orange groves. It was the orange oil field. But I moved up to East Texas. My mama's people are all buried in East Texas. And so I have six generations of folks in East Texas. Wow. And to get to my family farm, which I still have out there, you have to go out 343 past Loco Valley, and you're not quite there. <laughs> but if you get to the intersection in Looneyville, Texas, you're a little too far. You're one driveway <laughs> too far. My people are buried between Loco Valley and Looneyville. So that tells you a whole oh, lot about me. That's six, right. Six generations of of, of, of you know, my family's out there. So it's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, you've been your own boss, self-employed now here for, 13 you know, years, 13 yeah. years working primarily with what size organizations? Well, it was, which was really kind of I've been a blessing because I do work with a lot of a variety of size of organizations. But my bread and butter, or my passion really has been working with the petrochemical industry in the Gulf Coast from Lake Charles all the way down to Victoria. Uh, I've had, and I'm about to get the opportunity to go to the East Coast with the same companies. They have different plants over there. And that blue collar background, I guess, because my dad worked in the chemical plants, my brother works in the chemical plants still, my oldest brother does. I have worked inside the plants as a consultant on projects. So it's it's very rewarding to work inside, you know, those petrochemical gasoline refinery uh, organizations. They have a they they used to have their internal development. They used to have a big training department, a big development push, but probably in the eighties and nineties they did a big flattening of the organizations, like so many organizations did throughout the nineties. They flattened the organization, went very horizontal. When they did that, training was the first to go, mm-hmm. and they still haven't brought it back yet. And so I've built a relationship there, and it's all about relationships. But I've built a relationship there, so I've now been able to come back into those organizations and augment what they're doing internally. And with my accent, with my background, uh, I've made a connection because it's a relationship. Uh, sure. I, was, I was telling uh, Randy earlier, uh, one day one of, my, one of my business partners and I were doing a training with some frontline managers, and after it was over with, one of the managers, where he was a warehouse manager, came up to me and he says, Kent, he goes, boy, I like Bob. Bob was really good, but he was very uh, academic. Hmm. And you were just real. Yeah. And I said, well, I appreciate it. You know, and of course, that's what we talked about. We really were talking about very practical techniques that people, you know, leadership development. You know, I love reading Covey. You know, I love reading, you know, Ken Blanchard. I love reading John Maxwell. But sometimes you really want something more just tactile. Hey, I've got to talk to a, you know, I've got to, I've got to counsel an employee this afternoon. What can I do? Right. They want, that's what I'm finding in a lot of my programs. People really want to know. How can I use this right now, and what can I do? I need to go talk to her today. Yeah. So when you're working with, you know, blue-collar petrochemical, and I know you work with white-collar as well because right. you have examples of that, do you see common denominators or problems, whether it's blue-collar, white-collar, when it comes to supervisor uh, issues, leadership issues, organizational issues? Is there some common denominators that you see? It, it, it's all about relationships. I mean, it really is. When we talk, we start talking about leadership development, management leaders, management, and and management issues or leadership development. It boils down to build. How do I build a relationship? 
I tell folks, and I get invited in organizations to do team building. And I said, you will never have a high-performance team. You'll never be a high-performance team until we trust one another. Mm-hmm. And I said, does everybody agree with that? And everybody said, yes, yes, yes. And I said, you have to have trust to have a high-performance team. But to get trust, you've got to develop relationships. And that relationship starts with communication. And when I go into organizations and the common denominator I see, the common problem I see is so often managers come in and say, oh, I, I, or, and I may have a college degree. I have the, the engineering background. I'm your boss, and I've taken that two-hour management class and so I can be a manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they try to manage, and that's exactly all, the, that's all they're going to get is management. And I said, if you really want to develop yourself as a leader, you're going to have to really sharpen your saw, sharpen your axe, and you really got to start working on those relationships, and it starts with relationships and communication. Listening, mm-hmm. talking, having those conversations. So the difference between someone who is a manager mm-hmm. and someone who is a leader is what? Well, in my opinion, in my opinion, and we do interchange those words a lot. My opinion: a manager focuses on things. They focus on things. They get and they get, they get things done. And we need management. Leaders focus on people. They're always working on developing. And leadership does not mean you have to have a title. Because I could be that frontline supervisor. I might even be just the the the, uh, the lead electrician. I may not have a leadership title. I may not have a management title, but I can still be a leader on the shop floor. Mm-hmm. And it's because if I'm focusing on my people skills and I'm focusing on the people skills of, of those folks around me, I'm bringing in that that apprentice and making sure that apprentice is is learning to work safely, productively, and profitably for the company. My, the difference to me from management and leadership is managers focus on things, leaders focus on people, and it mm. doesn't have anything with, with someone's title. Yeah. So how do you open up those lines of communication, especially with people that are kind of feeling separate? You know, I'm the boss, you know, you're the employee, that type of thing. Well, one of the things I tell folks, and we start talking about listening, and I talk about one of, one of, my, one of, my, one of my greatest bosses that I've ever had was Dr. Leon Hallman, that he taught me. He says, what part of our body do we listen with? And everybody, of course, everybody normally says, well, our, our brains, our ears. You Sounds know. like a trick question. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, he must be. <laughs> and that's exactly what they try to do. And I say, you know, maybe your mama didn't tell you, but my mama in East Texas told me, Kent, look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> and, and you know, every mama in East Texas told their boy, look at me. I said, now, why does mamas want their boys to look at me? Of course, if there's a lady in the room, they'll say, well, I want to make sure he's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, how often do we not, when we talk about communicating at work, we don't look, we don't stop and take the time to look at someone, to hear them, to listen. We all, we're multitasking. We, you know, we're going to get after it. We're going to multitask. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks they can multitask. Right. But you've got to stop and you've got to look at somebody to listen to them, I, in my opinion. And so I try to talk to employees about the fact that you've got to look at and listen to your boss. You can't just l- passively listen. You've got to look at them because that communicates to your boss that, hey, I am listening to you. Mm-hmm. And I tell bosses. When, if you have an open door policy and you're, an employee comes into your office, stop what you're doing and turn and look at them. It sounds basic, doesn't it? It really, but it's hard. Yeah. Leon Hallman, the greatest boss I ever had. Uh, Dr. Leon Hallman, he, I still have lunch with him every Wednesday at Rotary, uh, <laughs> but he was my first boss that I really respected as a leader. Still do think of him when I think, when, if you look in the book of the, the you know, man of integrity, it's Dr. Leon Hallman. But Leon taught me that. He had an open-door policy. And I remember one day he gave me a project to get something printed. And I had to get it approved by several people. And all I needed was his approval to send this to the print shop. 
I come into this office, knock on the door. Boss, you got a minute? Sure do. I have an open door policy. I walked in. He was on his computer. He stopped what he did, was doing, turned around and faced me. I said, hey, I've got everything ready. I just need your signature and we're ready to go. He looked me square in the eyes and he says, that looks like that's very important to you. I'm right in the middle of an email. If you can give me 10 minutes, let me finish this email up. I want to get back with you and I'll give you my full attention. Hmm. That's a good leader there. I mean, it really was. Oh, now, yeah. and what I've and what I've later read, Randy, was you know, have you ever been in the zone where you're getting you're cranking the oh, work yeah. out? You're getting, I mean, you're just getting the work, and you're getting, you know, all cylinders are firing, mm-hmm. and that phone rings, so that employee comes into your desk, your office. What I've read says it takes you seven to, after the, after you solve that crisis, it takes you seventeen minutes to get back to that same level of concentration. Hmm. So I interrupted him, so it took him seventeen minutes to get back to that same level of concentration, but he communicated with me. How important that I want to give you my full attention, and I can't give you my full attention until I finish this task. It also taught me that even though he had an open door policy, the open I didn't need to come in there and bring him trivial things. Yeah, and it didn't take me. But I'm a little slow, Chip. But mm-hmm. it didn't take me but one or two times to realize that for him and I to have a relationship, I had to start realizing that I need to communicate the best way with him, which meant, hey, Leon, let me send him an email. I need about 10 minutes of your time. I've got about three projects I need to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Because that printing wasn't an urgent job. It was just something I wanted to get off my desk. Sure. Now, that was a something very superficial, but it really taught me an important lesson about looking, listening, building those relationships. Then you start trusting one another. Yeah. Your sense of urgency doesn't automatically translate to his sense of urgency right. now had i had i hey we have a you know we have water flowing down the hallway he would have got up let's, let's get after it <laughs> right. you know or whatever it may be well and it also goes to leveraging time so for him his priorities he was trying to make sure that his priorities got taken care of his big rocks went in his jar right and then the small rocks can fill up around the sides Bingo. and so when he saw you coming with this task he knew it's something that he can fill up at the very end and not have to disturb his task now exactly and i think for sure you're you're dead on that People overestimate their ability to multitask. Oh, yeah. And when you're in a certain state of flow, especially with work, if you get disturbed by you know a little message or a phone call, it can be detrimental to your productivity. Mm-hmm. Well, and it wasn't so much just the uh, the time management part. To me, it was about building that relationship. Yeah, it was about the fact that we were communicating with one another. We were communicating with our eyes, and so we, when we really talk about developing leaders. And wanting the, everyone to sharpen their own saw, to sharpen their axe, they've really have got to say, "What do I need to do to become a better communicator?" Not just for communication's sakes. And you also to, set the culture for you. Yeah, to build the relationship, to build mm-hmm. those relationships. Sure. And it has, and so that that's that's in my opinion, when you're talking about leadership and management, it's about leaders think about developing people, not just getting things done. Right. And and I'm not saying that we don't have to get things done. We still have to get things done. Yep. <laughs> so management's good, but leadership is where we want to be and, and really want to develop leadership throughout the entire organization. Well, I looked at your calendar over the next handful of months and you are one busy, busy man. Well, you know, and, and, and I don't and I and I have some business partners that tell me they said, you know, why do you travel so much? And why do you and I said, It's not that I want to travel, because I don't want to travel. I don't I hope my, my clients aren't listening. I mean I don't want to <laughs> But I do enjoy helping people, and I do, and I think it's important. In and I've tried to design my business around how do I augment and how do I help my clients develop the relationships they need to be more impactful in their organizations. 
Yesterday I was in Lufkin, Texas, working with a, a nonprofit that works with battered women and, 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 and family crises, and it was so rewarding to work with those managers. I was working with, with, with the first, the about 13 senior managers, and then in the afternoon I was working with five, the, the, the management team. And it was so rewarding to see light bulbs go off because they were spending time sharpening their saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I used a Stephen Covey comment. One, one lady, she's in charge of the grants, and she said, Ken, I just don't have time to do all this stuff. And I said, have you ever been a bit too busy to drive down, driving down the road to stop and not, not stop and get gas? <laughs> she's like, never thought about it that way. And I said, you have to sharpen your saw, yes. and that's listening to podcasts, that's reading a book, that's t- having a, a, a meaningful dialogue with an employee about relationships. Mm-hmm. So now you're you're about to do a couple of retreats. Yes. No. And yes. what what's a retreat look like? Well, what? and fortunately, I, I and, and I stumbled into it. A friend of a friend of a friend, a relationship. Uh, I got invited to do a retreat for a, a chamber of commerce. Most chambers of commerce around the country have a leadership program, whether it's, you know, Leadership Austin, Leadership Houston, Leadership Beaumont. Mm-hmm. You know, and today I'm heading up, you know, later tonight, I'm heading up to Weatherford, Texas. Mm-hmm. And for Leadership Weatherford, put on by the Weatherford Chamber of Commerce. Wonderful. You know, everybody needs to support their local chamber of commerce. But the local chamber of commerce has this this leadership program. The, the programs are usually nine months long. And I found a little niche that they all have a kickoff retreat and I've come in and provide a service of where we do some we do some personality profiles, we do some assessments, we do some uh, uh, team building, some get to know yous uh, activities, those mm-hmm. type of activities. But really, we start trying to plant the seed that for them to start developing themselves, to sharpen themselves as a community leader. So what will happen tomorrow morning is that when they arrive, this will be a group of thirty folks that don't know each other. We'll do some. Typical icebreakers get to know yous. We'll then start getting. We'll jump right into some team act discussions about communication. We'll do some profile uh, mm-hmm. personality profiles. Talk about how that ties back to our communication styles. Then we'll, we'll we'll wrap up on the day two. On day two, we'll start doing some experiential learning activities to kind of tie it together. And in that, we say now this is the journey is beginning. Mm. So it's kind of a fun, it's kind of a fun, yeah, fun and it's kind of a niche, but I have seven of those coming up. So I have the, for really, I mean, the, for the next. I was going to say that your calendar looks like you're, you're yeah. busy, busy, busy right, right. now, which yeah. is great. It's, it's fun. Well, and it is. And, and I think that and that's, that's the beauty about bringing in, you know, a, a, and I always joke about consulting, you know, you have mm-hmm. to travel with a briefcase two, two miles away, but really it's about how do we, cause sometimes you need, I don't have a dog in that hunt. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't have to go, I don't get emotional about the issues, and I can come in and I can provide a, a clearer perspective of going, did you have a conversation with that employee? No. You know, yesterday, yesterday, while we were in that training, uh, one of the managers got up took a phone call. She came back, and, and, and I said, what's the matter? She said, you know, we had delivery come in, and, you know, she gave me the whole, the whole spiel. And I said, well, it sounds like you need to have a conversation when you get back with that employee. She says, well, I don't think she needs to be disciplined. I, didn't, I said, I didn't think she needs to be disciplined, but based on what you've told me, it, there needs to be a conversation. The more we got to talking about it, she says, I know what the problem is. And I said, what's that? She goes, I didn't tell her about the delivery. <laughs> you know, she said, you know, I mean, yeah. she was looking back and she started, the, the light bulb went off and she said, I think part of the problem that I'm having with this employee is I'm not communicating mm-hmm. my expectations. Yep. And she's looking 
to to put the blame somewhere else. She was trying to, but I, th- you know, and I, and I wouldn't want to take the blame. I wouldn't want to take her monkey, you know, and I, and I, I wouldn't let her take give me. Wouldn't, wouldn't her let her give me that monkey? And she said, you know, I really need to go back and apologize to her, talk to her about what happened, but also apologize and saying I didn't set you up for success. Let's work together to set each other up for success. Right. How do you work through your pride if you're a leader that doesn't communicate well and there's chinks in the armor, but it comes back to you. Well, you know, I tell you what it, I tell you what it is, I, and I learned this from a, a, another great leader, works for eTech, um, which is a telemarketing company or teleservices company out in uh, uh, East Texas, Melissa Wood. She was a trainer, and I would watch her do this verbally, but she would also, I mean, I'd, she'd do it physically too, but she refuses to take someone's monkey. She would listen, but she would not, and, and, and I know we're in a podcast and people can't see me. When she'd walk up to somebody, she would literally put her hands behind her back and say, how can I help you, Chip? So often we walk up and Chip has something in his hands and he reaches out to hand it to me. And what do I do? Yeah, I pick it, it up and take it. Right. Now I've taken your monkey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's same true with, with when managers, we want our leaders even, we want to help our people. Or, we, fix, or, or fix, fix problems. Fix problems. And really, we'd be better off not fixing the problem but fix finding out what's causing the problem. As a leader, we need to be. We need instead of solving that problem, we need to fix what's causing the problem. Mm-hmm. And fix let their that, fishing pole so right. they can fish instead right. of give them a fish. Right. Yeah, I I was asked once the difference between a manager and a leader, and I said managers thrive on problems because their roles and responsibilities typically are looking at what problems are happening, reoccurring problems, and how, how do we fix these problems? So they're somewhat in a reactive mode to problems popping up and we're fixing it. Where a leader anticipates if we don't fix things, we're going to continue to have these problems. How do we, how do we see into the future? And not be in a reactive mode, but a proactive mode. Oh, and, and, it really, and you really do have to get out ahead of it. Well, Randy and I were a while ago, we were looking at data. Well, I'm not a data guy, but I like looking at data. And I know as a leader, I need to be forecasting and looking. And, and that's a little bit of a management job. Mm-hmm. But I've got to be using that data and saying, how can I forecast? What, what potential problems could this cause us down the road? It's not easy. We all want to become a, the leader, the manager. We want to become the, the boss. Mm-hmm. And, but yet we don't really want all that responsibility and that, that dink in our armor. We don't want to take those the, the blame, and we don't have to take the blame. It's more about how do we develop the people around us because we're in this together. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the symptoms of somebody who might need the services you provide? Oh, man, it's, it's open the yellow pages. <laughs> I mean, and, I, you know, and I know that sounds very flippant, but it really is. It's not just my services. It's about each one of us could work on our listening skills, each one of us could work on our communication skills. Charlie Atkinson, an old Sunday school teacher of mine, dear friend of mine still to this day, he's in his 80s, retired from DuPont, said, Kent, Kent, Kent was a two-syllable word, Kent. <laughs> he said, Kent, to speed up, you got to slow down. What company needs me? Everybody does. We all need to slow down so that we can speed up. Mm-hmm. We've got to slow down and assess where we're at and decide which way we're going to go otherwise we're always going to be reacting we're not going to be responding we're going to be reacting so really if, if you're a you know a small business mom pop business if you're a bank you know branch manager you know i'm sorry i think they call them now market presidents i think they call them now <laughs> they used to all be vice presidents now they're all presidents chip i'm sorry <laughs> and you know it or, or if you're a, a mid-level manager frontline supervisor in some in some manufacturing operations it's all about how do we sharpen our saw? Yeah. How do we stop and assess where we're at and saying, what skills do I need? 
Mm-hmm. I'm working with a sawmill owner. He owns well. He doesn't own. He can literally sharpen his saw. He really can sharpen his saw. And he has some of the sharpest saws. Paul Smith, a dear friend of mine. But Paul, you know, Paul, he's a business owner. Has grown his business, uh, 25 years. He is uh, uh, has has a family-owned business. About to give it to the next generation. But he has recognized that for him to continue growing, there's things he has to do. And he has to work on himself. And I think that's admirable when you have a CEO of a company that recognizes, you know, I'm the greatest asset of the company, but I'm also might be the greatest liability to the company mm-hmm. if I don't keep my saw sharpened. Yeah, absolutely. And that's Smith Sawmill Service in Timpson, Texas. No, <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Did you know we have an email list? Go to hpleadershippodcast.com and enter your email into the form at the bottom left to sign up. Get our PDF on common obstacles and teamwork sent right to your inbox. Subscribers get first listens on new shows and exclusive content. Sign up today, hpleadershippodcast.com. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. You gave an example of an exemplary leader. Do you run across or have you worked with... The opposite of that? Unfortunately, I think we all have, and and uh, you know, n- not naming any names. Those those leaders that, you know, say they have an open door policy, but they don't. Those leaders that say, you know, you have all the power, but yet that you want they want to micromanage you. You know, I had one leader that I worked with, uh, and he saw me talking to the president of the company, and he was my direct boss, and and I didn't report. I was like probably three levels below the president. And he saw me talking to the president one day. And so he stopped me down the hall and he says, what were you talking to him about? And I said, I told him what, I, what we were talking about. And he says, all messages to the president should come through me. Hmm. And it was like, and what we were talking about was very superficial. And I was like, really? I mean, you're that, you know, concerned that I'm going to go behind your, I mean, it was just the trust level there and then the respect for him. But it was the micromanaging. It was the same guy. I mean, it was just, through fear, it was, was. fear driven. He was fear driven. He was. It, there was something else going on. I wasn't aware of it, but it was there was something else going on in his life that was driving his erratic behaviors. But he was one. Of the, I mean, I worked with him for several years, and he had an open door policy. And I don't think I ever stepped foot in his office because <laughs> if I came in, he would walk out and say, "I got to go." You know, just stop. I, I, I ask, "Can I make an appointment?" Oh, I have an open door policy. Just come on by anytime. And I don't think I ever stepped foot in his – if you wanted to speak to him, he either went out the back door or he walked out with you, walked out and left the office. Hmm. But, yes, it was just – so, yes, there's bad bosses out there. And and it's funny. When we, I, use, I do that activity. I ask those same questions. Tell me about a, a good boss and a bad boss. Mm-hmm. And everybody has those bad bosses, and they have the same – and many times they don't even realize that they are the bad boss. Uh, yeah. I, walked, I worked with a uh, – as a consultant, I worked with a company, um, and there was two brothers that owned this company, and – one brother, he didn't realize that when he walked in the room that he would suck the air out of the room, and he just didn't realize. I mean, he just mm-hmm. he was so oblivious to. And I would try to have conversations with him about it. Of course, you know, I didn't want to lose the business, but I didn't want to tell him, dude, you you're know, the you're, problem. You, you know, you you might be a big part of the problem because mm-hmm. you know you know it all, but you don't. It's self deception. Yeah. So how do you yeah. know if you're the bad boss? So say you're listening to this podcast. You're like, I'm a great leader. How do you know? What are the the things you're going to look for that will tell you? Well, one, I mean, one, I would th- let's, let's start with what we've been talking about: relationship and communication. Mm-hmm. You know, when was the last time you had a meaningful conversation with the janitor? When was the last? If you were a CEO or a manager, when was the last time you had a meaningful conversation with the warehouse guy? And I'm not talking about, hey, how, did you watch the ball game? I'm talking about 
when you sat down and talked about what's going on at work, what do you need to do your job better? What do you need to do? What, you know, what can we do better as a company? Your frontline employees can provide you input. And if you're a senior, a senior or mid-level manager and you haven't had a meaningful conversation in the last 48 hours with one of your employees, you might be a redneck. You might be a problem. You might, you know, you might have a problem. Yeah, here's your wait sign. Minute. I might. Wait a minute. I see. A, I see. A, you know, you got me thinking. I'm a creative trip. I'm yeah. thinking about something here, Chip. I would also think like if you keep hearing yes to all of your ideas, you could be a bad boss. Maybe your company is going really good and you have amazing ideas. But I would say probably look for those situations where you go. You know, here's my idea, and everyone's like, "Oh, yes, that's an amazing idea." And you're like, "You know, it really wasn't that great of an idea." Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chip, I, we're, but speaking of that, we were talking before you got here. No, yeah. <laughs> well, it's based on trust. That's right. I mean, what you're saying is trust yeah. is the the root. You build trust by building relationships. That's right. And if the relationship is strong, then they feel more equipped to tell you the truth when it's time to tell you the truth. Right. If they don't trust you, then when it comes time to tell the truth, they just say whatever they think won't get them in trouble. They become a chameleon. They, they, they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. start, they'll start squirming going, well, you know, boss, I like that. I, I really liked what you were trying. And, but yes, Randy, the, the, you know, the, the practical tip there, you know, the red flag should go up if they haven't had a meaningful conversation with an employee in the last 48 hours. And, and I say that, and maybe 48 being too restricted, but I really think that a, a good leader, regardless of your title, will be having those meaningful conversations. They'll slow down so we can speed up because we're not going to move our organization forward, any organization, whether it's Domino's Pizza or you know ExxonMobil, you're not going to move those organizations forward unless you stop and have meaningful conversations, build those relationships solidified your trust so that you can be a high performance team and have all cylinders firing. And self-awareness is so critical that, you know, at home, my family recently, we've watched Netflix and we've been watching The Office. And if you haven't watched The Office recently, you need to watch it again if you're interested in leadership and management, because the the lack of self-awareness by the manager in this show is just over the top. It's just trying too hard. It is. He's trying too hard, and he says things through just pure lack of awareness that that his intent is not coming across. Oh no! The right way. Not at all. Not at all. No. And and it's meant to be funny, but there's so much truth in a lot of comedies out there mm-hmm. that that satire. And the office is hilarious when it comes to that. Well, you know, the the office, the 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 TV series, the office, and then of course the, the old Dilbert cartoons. And I, oh yeah, I didn't realize how, how how meaningful that was until I was working with a company that we were in cubicles, and I was like, oh my gosh! I mean, you know, it was like was it was like gophers. We'd all pop up and look down. I mean, it was, and the man you'd see the, the pointy hair boss coming down the hallway, and it was. You know, I was talking to somebody about the office, about the leaders in the office uh, specifically, and so. Michael, Steve Carell's character, you know, he's obviously not a very good example of a boss. And then you have uh, the intern who becomes like the CEO of the company, obviously another terrible example of the boss because he's always just into something. And then you get Andy who becomes the boss and he has very similar problems to Michael where he's just trying too hard. He wants everyone to like him and he wants to be the cool boss or whatever. So the sleeper boss was Daryl. He's the black guy that was in the shipping and receiving. So he starts as like a worker bee and he has the trust of all the people that work for him and he eventually comes into the office out mm-hmm. from the but he has the trust of everyone he's very cool calm and collected and he relates to people and that's why he is the sleeper boss 
on the office. I right. think no. Well, and I think you, I think, and you're, you just danced around an issue that I think we all talk about too. That that's something that's kind of a hot topic or has been for the last couple of years is emotional intelligence mm-hmm. about the fact that you've got to have you've got to have a good a good handle on one's emotions. You got to be aware of what are your triggers, mm-hmm. what gets you, what set. If you're a, if you want to be a good leader, a good boss, what trigger you know what triggers triggers you, and can you control that? And you know it's the old. Uh, how do I control my emotions? Because if you go off in a meeting, you go, you're go you going to lose that respect, you're going to lose that, and then you're back to square one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're talking about being calm, collective, responding, not reacting. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So if, in real practical terms, let's yeah. say you and I met for the first time, and I said, can I, uh, I need you to come in and train my people on customer service. Okay, and, well, yeah, well, one, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm gonna, we, we don't do training. I mean, we don't do, we just don't do training. And and also I said, and I may ask you know, now granted, I don't want to turn down the business, you know, but at the same time I'm like, why do you think training's the solution? And you know, I had, and I give you a real example of what happened. I had I had a city manager approach me. He says, Kent, he goes, I've heard you speak, and uh, I'd like I'd love for you to come into my organization, uh, and we we got to work on conflict management. And I said, okay. I said, why do you think there's conflict? What conflict's going on? Well, they're just there, and and he hemmed and hawed, and he never really could give me a good answer. And I said, well, is it really conflict? I said, what's happening? And we, the more we drilled down, the more I asked why, the more we really we, we, we talked about it, the more we realized, let's take a step back. Maybe it's not conflict. Maybe it's communication. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, start, let's, start with, let's start with the basics. Let's just talk about how do we talk to one another, and, and do we talk to one another? And we started with communication, and so we went in, and, and you talk about training, uh, and actually, customer service. He was talking about conflict, and it was a city manager, and he was saying, "I've got city employees that that can't relate with the citizens well, and I have, I have uh, city employees that you know having conflict, and they they can't communicate." And I said, "Well, or you know, they're, with, and they're treating our customers, our, our you know the, the citizens poorly." And I said, "Let's start about communication. Let's just start with that." And we walked into the organization, and we 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 started assessing. We started having a conversation about how do we talk to one another, what do we want in each other. And he saw almost immediately, he saw some behavioral change. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, now what do we need to address? And guess what? It wasn't conflict. It was like, well, how do we get people to be more productive? I said, okay, how do we build on communication? And how do we address maybe productivity, time management, respect? Strategy, mm-hmm. strategy. processes. That's right. And so we're, you know, we're, we started, but that's so, the question you asked me was, what if someone calls me and says, hey, come help me with my customer service? I would ask them the same questions I asked that city manager. I would say, why do you think it's customer service? Why do you think it's, why do you think training's the solution? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't think training's the solution. And matter of fact, I, I want to try to make sure training's the last thing we do. Now, not really, but I mean, my, my point is, is I want us to really drill down to what is the challenge we have. Now, if it's, hey, we just haven't never onboarded our people right. We haven't, you know, we just, yes, we need some training, but we need a lot more help than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Yes, that has happened. Yes, we do try to help people with that. But it's all about sharpening that saw. It's about how do I go back and recognize that something's not right in our organization. Something's not right in our organization. Yeah, I'm very similar when people ask, call and say, hey, can you do training? You know, I try to help them understand that that training is a tool in my toolbox that is used when appropriate. Right. That we got to figure out what's the problem. What and more importantly, if we can identify the problem and dig deeper and find out what's causing the problem, mm-hmm. if quote training is applicable, we'll use that tool. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not training. It's mm-hmm. more, again, 
all the underlying issues that are causing it. So, well, you know, and going back to customer service, you made me think of a story about customer service and training. And uh, I was doing an in service with a credit union several years back, and we had, I've been working with this credit union on their, and I call it employee development, where we had actually had sat down and mapped out a plan of saying, you know, we want to bring the team along, and so we we came up with a series of a, of a, of a events that we were going to do some in service, and it was really yes, it was a little bit of training, but it was about how do we bring everybody, the cohesion of us talking together, slowing down to talk. And so we were talking about customer service and, and being cheerful. And I had one lady who worked in the back of the bank. And she says, well, Kemp, that's just who I am. I'm not happy, happy, happy all the time. I'm not like you. And I just leaned over and I said, I know, and we don't like who you are. Must be sad to be you. <laughs> you know, and she just kind of looked. I said, the reason we're in here today is because of you. Yeah. <laughs> but And she's like, you know, she kind of woke up, but we we did we address those behaviors, you know, and that's really what it's about. When you when 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 someone calls and says, "Hey, we want customer service training," or "Hey, we need conflict management training," or "Hey, we need," I usually say, "What? Why?" why? Mm-hmm. And then two, let, let's talk about what's causing that. What's you know, and it might very well be the fact that you know things are working well. We just want to make sure we're sharpening our saw. Okay, well that's that's very applicable. We want to come in and. Make sure, you know, everybody's using the tools that are there, you know, that they are being friendly, they are being courteous. Hey, we're just making sure, we're just checking ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm okay. I mean, that's no different than me going changing the oil in my car. Just Do yeah. you find sometimes that the people that approach you saying, we need some training, either they don't know what the issue is really, they think they know, but they don't know, or that maybe they're even part of the problem? Well, that, that, yes and yes. <laughs> You're like, no, can't elaborate. No, that, that, you're absolutely right. I think so often that they, they there's a problem and they think, oh, let's let's just do some training. Uh, I had a at one of my chemical plants, I had a, a manager, and this this is this is where you're really neat. I had a warehouse manager who is now supervising a, three or four new staff. There was some conflict there. He knew something was wrong, so he finds a a one of these you know national training firms that comes to every city you know around. Uh, and they, I'm trying to avoid to say the name, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they, go, they go to a holiday inn, spend, the holiday, they go to the holiday inn, spend $99, $199. Yeah. You know? And so he found it and he went to his manager and said, you know, his boss, the plant manager says, Hey, I think I want to go to this. I need some help. Hmm. And he says, well, Kent's coming back on site here to do some other development. Why don't you set aside some time to visit with Kent? And so I, one, I was, I was excited about working with someone like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a P60. We started with the, you know, we started, yeah. did an assessment on it because that was a, that's a coaching client you really want. And I said, I said, you know, yes, I think that that workshop would have been wonderful, you know, that, but that's not going to solve the problem. Yeah. And I said, that, that'll make you feel good for a day or two and it'll give you some ideas. And maybe you need eight hours away from the plant. <laughs> you know, that, that might be enough there, you know, uh, but it, that, that, the, a lot of times it's just, being aware but that guy was somebody you want to work with because he rec- he was a boss a supervisor and he recognized that there was a problem and he recognized that maybe i need to do something different mm. and he didn't know where to go right and so that was kind of a fun that's a fun project I and mean, we're still doing we're still working on that project so that's kind of so fun. talking about building communication maybe think of a good story good example i used to work at a tv station in the military and we had several departments within the TV station. So you had the radio people, uh, you had the TV people, you had production, you had the maintainers, and they didn't really talk all that often. Right. But we all had to do command physical fitness, right? We're getting up, you know, three days a week, and we have to do the run, do the push-ups, the sit-ups. It's not very much fun. Everyone complains about it, so they get together about the complaining. But you know, there's no real winners. It doesn't really work that way. You can't really team up for that. So. 
they mandate that you can actually do one day a week. You can do whatever you want. So we decided we're going to play Ultimate Frisbee on Fridays. It was one of those things where people would kind of miss on the Mondays and the Wednesdays, but on the Fridays, they would always be there. They'd be talking about it afterwards. There was a team aspect. You had to call out to your buddies and say, here, there, there, you know, and then you're talking to people from different departments. So then you're stopping by their cubicle and saying, hey, you know, I, I haven't even talked to you. I've been here for a year and a half, but man, we had a really good game today. What do you think? And it really opened up the communication in the whole building. Yeah. No, I, I think and it really work should be fun. And, and I've actually, that's one of those programs I've actually gone in and, and talked to that if you're getting up and I've actually counseled and I'm not a counselor and I don't claim to be a counselor, never want to be a counselor. That's a profession that really deserves a lot of respect. But when I, when I counsel or, or talk to, to employees, to, to frontline employees, if they're miserable about going to work, there's a problem there. There's a there's something if they're on Sunday afternoon, if they're crying and not wanting to go to work on Monday, <laughs> there's a problem. Maybe there's not a good fit. Yeah. Job and fit. they must not have kids either. And, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it was amazing to me. I had a wife and kids. I mean, it was I had to go to work. You know, I didn't have a choice. You know, I didn't I didn't want to go either, you know. Uh, now this past week, you know, with, with school starting back up, I you know, I had lots of friends, you know, had to, you know, honey, I don't you know, you gotta come out from the bed and go go back to you know, go back to school, you know. But I don't want to go back. You but you're the teacher. <laughs> you know, you've gotta go back. Sorry. Bad joke, bad joke. No. So what oh, What's the future look like for you, man? It you know unbelievable. I learned that from Rob Rob Wilson. I believe. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. No, no, it really is. Uh, what the future looks for me is is and, and I'm trying to be a trend. I'm trying to look at see where the trends at uh, in in forest employee development training and development. But I think it's really going to be still focusing on relationships and how do we focus that? How do we give people the tools and resources they need to be successful? You know, and I think there's a lot of other companies out there that work, you know, that, that provide lots of resources. And so I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, if I can change one life, it's that, that old, you know, you're walking down the beach and you're that guy's picking up the starfish and throwing them in the, you know, so he said, you're not making a difference. He goes, makes a difference to that one. Mm-hmm. Makes a difference to that one. Uh, yes, I'd, you know, I'd love to create the next app, the next software. <laughs> uh, but really if it, my, my goal and my passion has been, how do we take frontline supervisors how do we give them those practical tools for them to be successful today? And, 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 I, and I use it in, my, in all my all my social media uh, posts of, you know, I hope you have a safe, to work safely, work productively, and profitably. Because, you know, everybody says, oh, I hope, you're, I hope, you know, hope you have a busy day. I hope you've been busy. Well, I don't care if you're how busy you are. Are you being productive and profitable? Of course, mm-hmm. I want you to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so really my, the future for me is is how do I continue working with with those frontline leaders in the petrochemical industry, how do I work with those frontline leaders in those small businesses? How do I work with the nonprofit organizations, which is you know very passionate mm-hmm. uh, working with those folks? It's it's you know it's a, it's an emotional tie there. It's how do I duplicate new leaders? How do I sure. impact new leaders? I've started trying to track more you know matrix, and I, you know I've even set a goal out there. You know how do how can I impact one million people? You know how can mm-hmm. I try to do that? Well, leaders are learners. Right. So what? Books or tapes or podcasts. What what are you reading now? Yeah, well, you, I, you know, I, well, one, I'm you know, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Maxwell fan. Uh, so I re- I read all of Maxwell's mm-hmm. you know stuff, and I reread. And I'm a and Randy and I were talking about this before the podcast about I'm re- not a rereader. You know, I'm a rereader. <laughs> I love you know. I picked up some Brian Tracy, some old Brian Tracy books from the '80s and about sales. And I was like, so so from a leadership standpoint, I do believe. Uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard about mm-hmm. customer service. Yep, because re- he says, you know, what message are you sending if you go out there and create? If you have a culture as a leader, you create a culture of, you know, satisfied customers. What message are you sending? 
And everybody says, oh, you know, we, we love your business. I said, no. If you're creating satisfied satisfaction, you're saying we're no better than the competition. Mm-hmm. So I, Ken, anything that Ken Blanchard, anything, anything of Ken Blanchard, uh, I love, and I, and I thrive on Ken Blanchard. A similar book to that is the founder of Zappos talked about like how he, you know, it's selling shoes online. It's not that complicated. There's lots of people doing it, but he had certain things in place to make it where people are, they they just can't help talking about it. Right. No, you can't. Now I did read Urban Meyer's book. You know, my daughter's at the Ohio State University. So I did read Urban Meyer's Mm -hmm. book about, you know, leadership uh, and their national championships a few years back. And so, uh, you know, and I do like reading, you know. Uh, Randy and I were talking about this. I like reading all the. Uh, every time there's someone leaves in a, a presidential administration, you know, uh, you know, I, I loved them under the Bush years. I'm loving them under Obama. You know, as as these senior leaders leave, they write their books. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- but those books only have about a six month shelf life. Those are always <laughs> interesting to read. Yeah. I've been reading those uh, since the '80s, and so those are fun to read as well. Well, Kent, how if anybody's listening to this and and wants to get in touch with you, how do they find you? Well, one, they can go to CJ Baxter Group. That's the name of my company, cjbaxtergroup.com. They can also find me at kenthutchison.com. Uh, so I have both those domains, but that's the probably the easiest way to reach me. There's a form there. Uh, I even have my cell phone number on both those websites so they can right. reach me. On my sale, but well, and you're a social media junkie. Too. I am. I, can I, I do. That. I do. I, I, I have a great Twitter account. You know, mm-hmm. at Hutchison. At Hutchison Kent or at CJ Baxter Group uh, on Twitter. Uh, but yes, I'm a so I love social media. Uh, I, you know, my, in fact, my wife and daughters have dropped me. I think they they they, they got tired of <laughs> reading about my. My wife says, "Why do you have to post everything everywhere?" And I said, "I said I just post what I want you to think I'm doing." Now. <laughs> well, there's one little caveat I'll throw in before we wrap up here, and that is Kent started doing something that that I think is interesting. Every morning he gets up and he takes a picture of his coffee mug. Sometimes it's underneath the magnolia tree. Sometimes it's wherever you're traveling, all that kind of stuff. And so people have started sending you coffee mugs. Yeah, and it really was. We were talking about cable earlier. You know, so one day the, my cable provider, my inter, my internet service provider, calls me, and, and I mean, and and I knew the guy. I mean, he was in the marketing department. He says, "Hey, he's, he goes, you office out of your house, don't you?" And I said, "Yes." And he says, uh, "You're we're your internet service provider, aren't you?" And he goes, "I want to come by and bring you some swag." And he brought me a mouse pad and brought me a coffee mug. And and he goes, "I was wondering if this could be on my." be on your facebook post and i said yes and and you know we joke about it but i was down at a i was at a rotary meeting in space center rotary down in houston texas and a dear friend of mine runs a a education a private school and she asked me to stop by to tour the school and so i said i'd be happy to and i toured the school and of course she says can i can i give you a coffee mug so yes i i have by default, started collecting coffee mugs. Well, um, you, I gave you one right before this podcast. I, I got it sitting right there, and, and I will, I will take a picture of it. To, I'll be in Weatherford, Texas tomorrow. I'll be yep. taking a picture of it uh, with my coffee. I appreciate that. Wonderful. <laughs> well, Kent, thank you so much for coming in well, and spending you. some time it. with us. We hopefully we'll have you back again very, very soon. I know we're going to see each other a lot yep. over, uh, over the next few weeks here, and so maybe we can get you back again. And and really enjoyed it today. Thank you. I appreciate. it. Thank you, Randy. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.